This is Tom Fox. Welcome to the newest edition in the Compliance Podcast Network. My latest podcast, Compliance and Coronavirus. As the voice of compliance, I wanted to start a podcast which will help bring both clarity and sanity to the field of compliance, the compliance practitioner, and indeed the compliance profession during this worldwide health and healthcare crisis. Taking up a variety of topics as diverse as working from home to sporting events, to the role of the board of directors, to crisis management, to the role of supply chains. We will look at all of these in this podcast. If you have a topic you'd like covered on compliance and coronavirus, please let me know. I'd be happy to do a podcast on it. Today I have with me Jesse Kaplan. He is the Managing Director of Corporate Oversight at Affiliated Monitors. He spent much of his career in the healthcare industry, and we talk about the challenges for healthcare providers, hospitals, and primary physicians in the era of COVID-19 and the attendant economic dislocation. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back for another episode. Today, I'm very pleased to have back with me Jesse Kaplan. Jesse is a Managing Director of Corporate Oversight for Affiliated Monitors. And Jesse's an attorney who spent most of his career in the healthcare field as General Counsel for the Massachusetts Executive Office of Health and Human Services. At AMI, he leads independent monitoring and proactive assessments around compliance and ethics programs in healthcare, including hospital physicians, addiction drug treatment facilities, and health insurance. So, Jesse, first of all, uh, welcome back uh, to this podcast, I guess. Thank you. It's uh, nice to be speaking with you, and it's my pleasure to be joining you. So, Jesse, um, we've had the opportunity over, I guess, the last few years to really explore a lot of different questions around healthcare, healthcare services, monitoring, and healthcare compliance and healthcare. But I really wanted to focus today on what you are not only seeing and hearing, but the types of advice you're giving clients around uh, healthcare services, healthcare payments at this point in time. We're now three months into the worst of the uh, uh, COVID-19. Many states are reopening uh, their uh, businesses and Texas, we're probably a little bit further along. We're about to go into phase four reopening. And I was wondering, from your perspective, what are some of the top questions you and your team at AMI are hearing from hospitals and healthcare providers as we come out of phase one and move into this reopening? Yeah, really good and important questions. So uh, the important questions that healthcare providers have coming out of these first phases of the pandemic really revolve around the changing regulatory landscape the changing environment in which services are being provided by healthcare providers. And frankly, Tom, whether healthcare organizations or individual practitioners are, are going to be able to adapt and survive these changes. On this last point, uh, Modern Healthcare recently reported that 30% of physician practices in Massachusetts, where, where I'm located, 30% of those physician practices have been considering closing down. And remember, Massachusetts is a state with the highest rate of insurance in the country, which means that Massachusetts providers don't have to worry about providing services and not getting paid. They get paid, and yet 30% of them are worried about potentially closing down. So it's likely that the concerns about survival of healthcare organizations and practitioners is probably just as keen, if not more significant, in other parts of the country. So... As we move into this reopening, and first of all, that's a that's an incredibly scary number. If we lost thirty percent of the physicians nationwide, it would be devastating to uh, primary uh, healthcare practice. 
we'll have, perhaps have to leave that one for another day. So what are some of the key things compliance officers in the healthcare field should be considering uh, from your perspective as we move into this reopening phase, Jesse? Yeah, so compliance officers really need to be considering whether this new virtual healthcare environment we've been operating under for the last several months is going to be the new normal. And if so, what does the virtual environment mean for from a compliance perspective? You know, we're seeing a paradigm shift in how many healthcare services are being provided now and will continue to be provided in the future through telemedicine, online consults, other forms of virtual care. Uh, every day, Tom, you've probably seen the same thing as I. There are new reports of how telemedicine is growing exponentially and how for many practitioners and their patients, this type of virtual care can be an improvement over conventional office visits. But there's also risks in transitioning to a virtual care, uh, virtual care environment. So I'll give you an example. Uh, physicians treating patients with chronic pain and prescribing opioids to treat that pain. You know, before the COVID pandemic, regulators like the DEA, state, uh, uh, states, uh, and even the standards of practice for treating chronic pain focused on frequent face-to-face examinations of patients, limiting the quantity of the opioid medications that physicians would prescribe, and requiring frequent lab work uh, in order to make sure that patients were taking what they were prescribed and weren't diverting those drugs, but also that they weren't taking other controlled substances that were not prescribed. And all those kind of restrictions were an effort to reduce the opioid addiction crisis. But during the COVID pandemic, uh, the AMA has advocated for loosening up these restrictions, and the DEA and some states have permitted virtual examinations and greater ability to prescribe opioids or refill opioid prescriptions in greater quantities. You know, for many patients with chronic pain, these loosening of restrictions can be a godsend in an environment where they're basically sequestered at home. But for other patients, the loosening of restrictions are likely to result in drug misuse and diversion, exacerbating the opioid addiction crisis. So what the data will eventually show will likely have a major impact on what the regulatory regime will look like going forward. And there may be different conclusions drawn by different agencies, by the different states, and even the DEA as to the relative benefits versus the relative risks of permitting more virtual care for patients with chronic pain, for instance. So it's going to be challenging for organizations, practitioners, and for their compliance officers to keep up with the changes we're likely to see. So with that example, I think, you know, the big question with this new paradigm shift to virtual care are going to be how to transition to a more virtual care environment while meeting existing and new regulatory requirements. Requirements like protecting privacy and confidentiality, meeting coding and billing requirements for payment, but also how do we maintain the standard of care for our patients when we provide so much more care in a different way? you know, over the phone or over the computer as opposed to physically face-to-face. So what I would say with for healthcare uh, compliance officers is, you know, in order to, to, to adapt and survive this new paradigm, uh, healthcare organizations and practitioners will need to have mechanisms in place as part of their compliance and regulatory programs to identify the rules and regulations that govern new methods of providing care. They will have to educate their staffs on these rules and regulations, 
And they'll have and they'll have to make sure that their staffs have the right tools and controls in place to effectively, as well as compliantly, use these new methods of treating their patients. Jesse, over the uh, the past couple of years, when I have had the chance to visit with you, it seems to me you've had a couple of maybe three clear themes. One was you have to look at the data. You have to see what the data shows. Two is you have to use that data to document whatever your steps are going forward. And then three, you have to assess whether those steps are being effective or perhaps even have a risk assessment around what you're doing with the data you receive. Would you say that those steps are still important or perhaps even more important as we move into these, I hate to say uncertain times, but certainly changing times? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, Tom. It's as important and likely more important, as you say, because uh, the uh, you know the treatment of patients and the provision of healthcare has uh, been thrown for a, ma- a major loop uh, here under the COVID pandemic, uh, right? And uh, and so uh, there, a lot of organizations are going to be trying to figure out whether what how they how they uh, treated patients, uh, some of the measures they they put in place, some of the loosening of restrictions. Uh, that they uh, operated under, whether in the end they ended up being net positives or net negatives. Uh, and so in order to determine that, you really have to uh, keep track of what they've been doing, how they've been doing it, uh, and what the outcomes have been. Uh, and that will help guide uh, their processes going forward uh, in terms of both treating patients, but also how what regulate what regulatory environment makes sense, and then how do you comply with the with the new regulatory regime? Jesse, in the area of uh, healthcare regulation and healthcare monitoring, one of the things that you have really stressed is that uh, regulators. Uh, really don't want to decrease the amount of healthcare services. That's why a monitor can be such a powerful tool. And in these times, uh, as things are changing so rapidly, do you believe that there can be a dialogue with regulators if you have numbers, if you've documented it, if you can show them you had a plan and you executed that plan? Is that important as well? Uh, yes. You know, I think uh, I think we're going to see uh, regulators, particularly, for instance, state departments of health, uh, really scrambling to determine uh, what went right and what went wrong during this COVID epidemic. And I, and I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, many uh, Department of Health uh, working with hospitals and other providers uh, to basically create, I won't call them necessarily corrective action plans, uh, but to, but to have those providers uh, agree to certain measures going forward uh, in order to maintain uh, the quality of care in this changing kind of uh, environment where care is being provided in different ways. Uh, but as we know, and at and, and the end, the, uh, the public policy objective is going to be uh, to make sure that uh, healthcare providers survive, uh, and that uh, they continue to maintain uh, the level of care that everyone uh, hopes and expects that they will. Uh, but one of the problems is that regulators don't have a lot of resources. Uh, so while they, uh, they can uh, ask or insist on 
providers uh, uh, practicing in a particular way, they don't have a lot of resources to make sure and monitor that those changes and those practice patterns uh, are actually being followed. And that's where uh, a monitor, an independent monitor, or an independent assessor can be really helpful. And that's where we, for instance, have provided value to both agencies and healthcare providers in the past. Being an independent monitor uh, to help uh, uh, facilitate uh, organizations and the regulators in determining uh, what's what the what the the providers are doing, uh, what they're doing well, uh, and that they are following the protocols that the uh, that the state regulatory agency is expecting them to follow. Uh, Jesse, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time, but I was wondering if our listeners wanted more information on either you or affiliated monitors or the services that you guys provide. How can they do so? Yes, so uh, they can go to our website, which is affiliatedmonitors.com, one word, affiliatedmonitors.com. Uh, anyone can email me directly at uh, jkaplan, that's the letter J-C-A-P-L-A-N, at affiliatedmonitors.com, or they can call uh, 866-201-0903. Jesse, this has been a fascinating exploration of something that, frankly, I've wanted to visit with you about for some time. I hope as we move into perhaps Q3 and Q4, I could call upon you again to see what uh, advice you might have for healthcare providers uh, as we move into the rest of this year and thereafter. I'd be happy to, Tom. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of Compliance and Coronavirus. This podcast posts three times a week at 10 a.m. on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday of each week. That's 10 a.m. Central Time. I hope you will check out our episodes as we post during this health crisis and economic dislocation. This month on The Compliance Life, I'm featuring Ryan Robelet, who talks about his journey to the CCO chair. I hope you'll join me for another episode of Compliance and Coronavirus, where I bring clarity and sanity to the business executive and compliance professional around these most serious issues. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.